Welcome to A Certain Age, a show for women who are unafraid to age out loud. When you hear the word divorce, what comes to mind? A failure, a dissolution, lawyers, courts? So much of the language around divorce is steeped in negative words and legal jargon. My guest today is a woman who upends the notion that divorce is something to be feared and reframes divorce as an opportunity to grow. Dr. Elizabeth Cohen is a clinical psychologist and an expert in supporting women as they navigate life's challenges. Known as the Divorce Doctor, she is the author of Light on the Other Side of Divorce, Discovering the New You. And she joins me today to share ideas to help you not just survive, but thrive during a divorce. If your own marriage is ending, if you're looking for tools to support a friend or family member navigating a divorce, or if you simply want to be smarter about this incredibly common life transition, stick around. This show is for you. Welcome, Dr. Cohen. Thank you so much for having me. I'm thrilled to be here and be able to share with your audience. I I know my audience is going to absolutely get so much value out of this show. We did an episode on divorce last year. I uh, featured Kate Anthony, who is the creator of the Divorce Survival Guide podcast. And it was the number one most downloaded show in all of 2021. So this is a hot topic with my audience. Mm. And, and oh, I, that's great. Yeah. I love Kate. Yeah, she's, she's, she's phenomenal. She shared a lot of wonderful resources. And we talked a lot about not just how to navigate divorce, but maybe how to prevent it. But I, I want to start by asking you something that caught my mm. eye when I was on your website. And you say that divorce is not a failure. Uh, it's a chance to shift and it's an opportunity. I would love for you to do a little stage setting and tell us more about that that uh, approach. Yeah, thanks. Um, you know, unfortunately, even though 50% of first marriages end in divorce, about 62 of second and 73 of third marriages end in divorce, we still have a huge stigma in this world and then specifically in this country around divorce where people still come into my office as a clinical psychologist and say, you know, my daughter started dating somebody. They're really great, but they're from a broken home. I mean, we're still using these kinds of words. We still have this stigma that somehow a marriage ending um, is a failure. And actually, you know, deciding that something isn't working for you or accepting that someone else is not happy in the relationship and releasing that person is one of the most brave, mature, and honest things you can do. Trying to put a square peg in a round hole doesn't work. And I think we really have a misconception about change and evolution in this world, in the world. Um, People don't expect you to stay at the same job, certainly not anymore for the rest of your life. Why would you be expected to stay the same and be fulfilled all the time in the same relationship? And I really do think that it comes from the origin of the pushback of divorce comes from the patriarchal idea that women shouldn't leave men in a heteronormative um, environment and that we're still pushing against that, that um, it's okay to be single. It's okay to be married again. And it's okay. And more importantly, brave to admit when something isn't working. Absolutely. I love the, the your use of the word brave because I agree. I and mean, I think any kind of transition is something that requires us to, to sort of dig deep within ourselves. And the the notion that it's society around us that is is giving us these messages that we need to stay stuck is something that I really, mm-hmm. I, can, I can relate to. And so for people who are considering getting themselves unstuck, you know, looking at their, their relationship, you know, honestly, and saying it's no longer working, and they want to be 
exploring divorce, this is a process that can stretch on for months or years. Let, let's start with the beginning. If someone's considering this, what are a few steps that you would advise to a client or a woman who's, um, you know, in order to get going and also to protect her, her mental well-being at the beginning mm-hmm. of a divorce? Yeah. I mean, I think one of the most important um, pieces of information is really think about who you're talking to and sharing your tender heart and feelings with. Um, you mentioned Kate Anthony, um, my work. There's a lot of us in the positive divorce world that you can start following and listening to our podcasts. Um, really think about, in my book, I talk about different categories of friends. Who are the friends who you know believe in you no matter what? So they're just your cheerleaders. They just think whatever you do is amazing. Talk to them first. And the people who either have their own issues in their marriage or maybe their parents are divorced and have ambivalent feelings about divorce, you know who those people are. Do me a favor, stay away from talking with them for now. I've found in my practice and I found in my own personal life, I had this desire to kind of change people's feelings. So I would go to the people who I call naysayers, who you know aren't going to support you, and try to convince them. And that just left me feeling terrible, especially about something that I was just deciding to do myself. So I really would recommend that people get support that is really unconditional, that just believes in you and gives you the support to make the best decision for you. I, un- unconditional support is something that I think we need in, in every aspect of our life, but, but particularly this one. So f- what mm-hmm. about women who have... Um, maybe gone through a divorce, who are listening right now and thinking, you know, I should have had this advice five, 10 years ago, and uh, they are still sort of navigating some of the scars. And the reason why I'm asking you this question is I, I have people in my own life who's mm-hmm. divorced, they're fully past the divorce phase. It's been five, 10 years, yet they're still struggling with some of the scars because healing is yeah. an ongoing process. What would you say to a, a, a woman who has not yet you know, achieved peace with this? Yeah. First of all, I think I would say you're not alone. There's a lot of people who have moved through the paperwork and the kind of administrative piece of the hectic beginning of divorce and have the signed papers, but never really approached the um, impact it's had on your heart, mind, and body and soul. And that's one of the things that I try to talk about in my book, which is really how to heal the grief, how to address the righteous anger, how to let go of resentment, and how to believe that what happened was really what was best for you, and how to really release that relationship in a way that it had. I talk in my book about saying to yourself, like, my relationship has had its perfect ending. It did everything it could have done for me, and now it's time to end. So there's a lot of work on releasing, on letting go, of taking care of yourself. So I would would recommend for someone who's in this circumstance of thinking, oh, I you know, should have done this before. I'm still holding on to so much pain. Make a list of your resentments. Just get out a piece of paper and write them down and write out all the resentments you have. And then on the another piece of paper, write the things that you actually have control over. Because if you can change any of those resentments, I'm here to help you. But if we focus on what's going on for us and what we can control, that's how we start shifting. And that's what happened for me was that I had situation where I could tell these war stories about my ex. And I realized that that left me feeling empty, depressed, and um, feeling more alone. And so I realized gently and compassionately to think about, okay, how did I end up here? And how do I make sure I don't end up here again? Because I'm the only one I can impact and I can change. So take a little gentle look at yourself and think about what's one small thing I can do for myself today. 
Is it drink more water? Is it meditate for four minutes? Is it go for a walk? Really start small. As a cognitive behavioral therapist, I really believe change happens with small incremental movements, not huge sweeping ones. I adore that notion. And we are going to be heading into a quick break. But when we come back, I want to hear more about how micro movements can help us navigate difficult transitions. We'll be back after this break. You know, I'm all about aging without apology. So I was thrilled to connect with Electra Health, a company focused on smashing the taboos around menopause. This female-founded brand is all about evidence-based menopause expertise and care. No pseudoscience allowed. If you've ever been to a doctor's appointment that lasted just five minutes and you found yourself with a million more questions than you started with, you're not alone. Electra is here to make menopause care easier to understand, more accessible, and much more supportive. They offer a real metamorphosis, which is also the name of their platform. Electra's Metamorphosis community offers educational resources, tips, and science-backed solutions for managing menopause alongside a private community of women. Your membership includes regular community events and discounted online visits with Electra's clinicians. And the Member Plus program even offers unlimited access to a personal Electra guide. Think of her as a menopause doula. Electra has an amazing offer for certain age listeners. 25% off its Metamorphosis program. Use code Katie25 at checkout. Head to electrahealth.com to jumpstart your holistic menopause journey. Or find the VIP link in our show notes over on a certainagepod.com. Okay, Dr. Cohn, we're back. We headed into the break. You were talking about your belief in the power of, of sort of micro movements and small steps to affect big change. You also shared that um, you know grief is something that people struggle with in divorce. What would be some small steps or some big ideas for tackling grief when a relationship ends? Great question. I mean, I think the first part is just to acknowledge that there's grief. I mean, even if you're the one who wanted the divorce, you know, there was a time in which you wanted to be with this person and you had an idea of the future that is not happening anymore. And I like to say that grief for me in my experience has just been un unraveling and unfolding as the years go on. I've been divorced for 13 years. And about two years ago, I was hit with a huge grief bomb when I was um, with my ex-husband, my two, our two children and their stepbrother uh, swimming in a pool. And while I'm incredibly happily remarried and grateful not to be with my ex-husband, I had this deep moment of grief that this is the life I had wanted at one point. I had wanted us all together, swimming in a pool, sharing a life. And I let myself cry. I went to my husband who was barbecuing up at the house and just shared how, how sad I was. Again, not that I wanted to be with this person, but that there was a story and a narrative that I had to give up and release. And I actually recommend in my book for people to write it out on a piece of tissue paper and really say like what you had dreamed on that wedding night and, or that wedding day and write it on tissue paper so that you can roll it up and then burn it and let it fly away and see that you're releasing this fantasy that no longer exists. So that's one way to kind of attach um, some significance and connection and love to your grief. That's such a powerful uh, visual to really see yourself, 
you know, just sort of setting it free and, and, and releasing it. How do you do that with anger? You mentioned righteous anger, and, and that just like burned its its you know way into my brain <laughs> because I yeah. feel like I feel like I mean, people who've been listening to the show for a while have heard me talk about things like. I joke about toxic rage with menopause and sort of these like mm. volcanic mood swings. And I feel as I've gotten older, maybe it's the tumultuous time we're living in, but I have been experiencing like bouts of anger that I feel are so, um, I try to be present in them, but they don't feel great and they're a little destructive. So if, if somebody is still consumed with anger around their divorce and recognizes that that is like holding a hot lump of coal in their own hand and they want to mm-hmm. release it, what do you recommend? Yeah, um, such an important point. Um, You know, I call, I refer to anger in my book as righteous anger because I really want to validate, especially for people who've gone through divorce, that it is very likely that whatever you are angry about, you have a right to be angry about. You're not just holding on to resentment. You know, there's some bad stuff probably happened to you. Um, So I want to really acknowledge and validate that experience. And as you beautifully said, the problem with anger is that if we hold on to it too long, um, it's like we're holding hot coal and no one else is getting hurt. And anger is actually part of our neurobiological safety system called the fight, flight, or freeze response. And we actually have to move this fight response through our bodies. What happens is it can really get stuck, especially because we're not encouraged, especially as women, to express our anger. <clears throat> So we can often get stuck in a spiral of pushing it down and it comes out sideways. So I always recommend to people to do some anger work every day, every few days. I I always suggest to put on a music. I have a song. It's by Rage Against the Machine that I'll put on often when I'm in the shower and just let my body move to the music. And usually... I don't know what's going to happen. Often there's punching in the air, kicking, whatever it might be. This is my body's response to releasing the fight or flight response. So it's really important to acknowledge it. It's also important to know that feelings are are not facts. Feelings last in our nervous system if we really allow them for 30 seconds. They're this anger is the same as joy and excitement and happiness. We don't have to be so afraid of it. We have to allow it to move through us. That's um, yes, to be present in in the moment that you're experiencing. I think that's something that I've got better at doing myself as I've gotten older. Um, I love this notion of kind of like shaking your body out. Mm-hmm. Uh, to have this physically move through you. I've had other guests come on the show to talk about the importance of you know, movement and processing emotions. And I have worked with d- different speech coaches in my life because I do a lot of public presenting. And they talk about the importance of shaking your body before you even go on stage because it helps mm-hmm. you release stress. It's it's such a simple, um, powerful tool that I think a lot of us don't use as much as we, we can. So thank you for uh, letting us know that, that just the physical movement is something that can help with the emotional uh, experience of, of anger. Um, mm-hmm. I, I want to ask you a question. You know, I, you say, share on your website that divorce can make people feel unlovable, right? Mm-hmm. That, that you experience the sense of, of, of maybe of rejection or, or, or the, the, the love that you had thought that you were, that you had is, is gone and we, and we feel sort of deeply unlovable. And I think whether or not you're divorced or not, people go through the experience of feeling unlovable at different points. What, you know, how do you coach uh, women in your practice to 
recognize that self-love is key in terms of mental you know, wellness? And what are some mm-hmm. steps we can take to fuel our inner self-love, no matter our relationship status? Yeah. I mean, I, I, one phrase I of course adore as a therapist is if you're hysterical, it's historical. So to really think about if you're feeling unloved, that it might be this situation that is triggering that for you, that is bringing that up for you, but it's likely that there was a moment in time, probably earlier in your life where you really felt like your needs weren't being met. Um, and so to really be compassionate to yourself if you want to do some work with a coach or with a therapist on really that part of you that still feels so undeserving of love that came from the past. And I mentioned not having your needs met. That that I think is the key to connecting back to self-love. And many of us who've gone through a divorce have spent many years, even before the divorce, sublimating our needs and not um, accessing them and asking for them to be met. So it's really important to spend some time just trying to figure out what your needs are. And that can be, you know, if you're recently divorced, you know, what color do I want to paint my bedroom? Do I want to get a new duvet cover? Um, Do I want socks that are itchy or do I like socks that are soft? Um, What kind of food do I want to order in when my kids are with their co-parent? Really asking yourself, again, going back to small steps, really small questions about what your needs are. That's how you ultimately build up self-love because you get to know what you want and then how to give it to yourself. And if someone's feeling overwhelmed with all those questions, because sometimes I think that uh, decision-making is one of life's biggest uh, stressors. If, If you're all of a sudden confronted with decisions that you used to have a partner in making, how would you coach somebody to, to manage that, that, you know, overwhelm, or should they reframe it as more of a sense of freedom to be the one that's choosing? Yeah, that's a really nice reframe, which is look at all these choices I have. I mean, as someone who specializes in anxiety disorders, choice is something that people really struggle with that I work with, um, in my private practice. And one thing I always say, which seems to bring a lot of relief to people is there's really no bad choice, right? So you think I'll try me- I'll try Mexican. Um, and it turns out you don't like that. I just had that the other night when I was like, oh, I'll try that. I didn't like it. Okay. That's just more information. And that every, every decision will have a good part to it and a hard part to it. I think a lot of times we put too much pressure on there being one right answer. I mean, I think as you age, you learn, like there's so many ways to get to, to a, where you need to be. There's so many paths. And so I think relieving the pressure and thinking at this more, I talk to my divorce clients, like, a curiosity. Like, can this be an experiment? Can we be curious? Can we get a sample of paint and see how it feels? Can we get these color flowers and see how it feels? And if we don't like it, fine. But not to become too attached to the outcome that there's a right or a wrong decision. Does that make sense? Yeah, absolutely. And I, and I feel like that's something that um, people probably get better at as they move through their divorce or that you, they get better at as they perhaps age. Because I, I feel like that the getting to this stage of life gives you the perspective that there is no one right way, that there's a mm-hmm. lot of different paths to happiness, and we begin to see that. I mean, do you see that in your practice? I'm assuming that you, teach, you, you treat and work with people across ages. But in terms of um, you know, what role, if any, does aging play in the divorce process and, and people's success in navigating it with, um, you know, in a vibrant way? 
Yeah, it's such a good question. I mean, I think it's it's really complicated because on the one hand, um, as people age, they have so much more life experience. And one of the keys of cognitive behavioral therapy is really looking at what has happened before and how you've managed to handle it. Um, and so having all this life experience actually really helps us feel more capable. Sometimes when I'm working with younger clients, I, you know, I say, oh, this is going to sound like an older person saying this to you, but like, you know, trust me, there's so many ways to skin a cat, you know, like I, it's, it's so valuable having had all this life experience. I think what's hard for people who are going through a divorce at this time is that they've had a long time in that relationship. So in a lot of ways, they feel like they have a lot of experience in life, but not a lot of experience out of that relationship. So it can feel, you can really feel like a beginner and you can feel, you know, many people haven't dated in years, right? So you can feel so new, but also so experienced. And I think sometimes um, people can really fall into the, so that I'm, I'm totally inexperienced. And one of my jobs is to help them see their, their experience. Yes, you haven't dated in a while, but you've started new jobs and have met new coworkers, right? You've joined new community organizations. So really trying to um, help them see that while they're beginning a new, a, a new piece and new part of their life, they also have a lot of experience. So I think it's, I think it's a tough time to get divorced and you really need um, guidance to feel like, what you just did all those years wasn't for naught and that you still have um, a lot of experience you can use to have an amazing next chapter. Absolutely. And, and you've built up all of this um, sort of emotional wisdom, even though <laughs> it, it may, you may feel very bruised after a divorce. I mean, you, you, you're, you're bringing your, your life experience and your, um, your own sense of self to, to the equation. So, but if somebody mm-hmm. is thinking, well, that's all well and good. Yes, I'm like midlife confident, but I'm like not confident about reentering the dating pool. You yeah. know, it looks so different than it used to when I, when I first got into it. What, what would be some coaching? How do you act? What are some tactical steps to really get people back into motion? Well, first, I think it's really important, and you can't realize this until you go on a date in later in life, um, but so many things are different than, I mean, especially for women, if you were someone who wanted to have children or were hoping to get married, there was this invisible pressure that you might not have even known is there. Like when you take out like needing to commit to someone for the rest of your life, wanting to have children, wanting to buy a house with the person, and you can just, if you can embrace like just meeting someone to have fun with a partner to enjoy activities with, to um, get to know another person's perspective. If you can bring a lightness to it, it's actually deeply enjoyable. And what you've had in your last relationship was an example of what didn't work. So I often have um, people write down, you know, kind of what their, what their dreams are of what it might be like to be able to sit with somebody and share what's going on with them and how that person would respond, not what their job is, how, what their hair color is, how tall they are. Not those, not those things. Cause, um, that doesn't really tell you anything about what you're going to feel like in the relationship past, you know, the first few dates. And so what do you want to feel with this person? What are the experiences you want to have? And usually I have to say that gets people really excited because it gets them out of the, like, I need to find a match or I need to figure out the next person and more. And, oh, again, going back to the needs, like, what do I want to feel? What do I want to experience when I'm another, when I'm with a new person? And I think getting support, you know, getting support from other women who've gone through this from coaches, you know, it's a new, if it's a new area for you, get as much support as you can. You don't have to go it alone. 
the, the question of what do I want when you're asking yourself about a relationship is a fantastic question that you could be applying to any part of, of midlife, honestly. Like, what do I want out of my career? What do I want out mm-hmm. of my purpose? What do I want out of my future? And I love that you're guiding women and men, of course, to be asking themselves this question as they look um, at exploring new relationships. Because I had, a, I had a, a fantastic guest come on a few weeks ago, Tamsin Fidel, who wrote a book. She's a TV journalist, and she wrote a book called The New Single. And mm-hmm. she shared that when she got herself back in the dating pool, she thought she wanted something that maybe was similar to her past. And then she realized she didn't. You know, and that so um, a woman who maybe has been settled down and has been having a family might want a partner now who wants to travel, not somebody with a desk job or somebody who maybe wants to be able to um, be involved with their grandkids or to, you know, do whatever it is. What you desire for yourself now might look different from what you, you had in your past. And so that question of what do I want is something that's so simple, but I think there are times in our lives when we don't ask ourselves that. Oh, I think there's a lot of times we don't (laughs) ask ourselves that. I mean, I think we're not even taught that, right? There's no (laughs) class in school that tells you, oh, you know, instead of I should be this, this, I mean, it's mostly shoulds instead of yes, no shoulds. We're not, we're not, no, there's no, no more shoulding over ourselves. No shoulding over ourselves. We are asking ourselves what you want. And, and I think that that's one of the reasons why I wanted to invite you on the show, because when I, you know, went to Google and I looked for an expert on divorce and I looked for an author to come on, I know you, you've written a book, Light on the Other Side of Divorce. You're a podcaster as well. But one of the things that attracted me to your language and your messaging was that this sense of optimism, that divorce is an opportunity. You say on your website that divorce is illuminating. I would love to ask you if it's not too personal. What did your own divorce teach you about yourself? Is there something that you only learned that was only possible because you went through the experience of navigating a divorce? Yes. Um, so my divorce, I divorced someone who struggled with substance use disorder. Um, and I didn't realize until I got divorced, just how much I put my self-worth on his failure. So him screwing up while, if you had asked me and making mistakes, you know, I would have been the martyr, um, was actually a way for me to feel good about myself. And I never would have known that I have the tendency to martyr, mother, manage, as a way to feel loved. And luckily I've been able to work on that and not do that anymore. So if I hadn't gotten divorced, I never would have had to look at that difficult part of myself. And, and, and sort of emerge with a with a better sense of self. And presumably, I know you shared earlier that you're remarried, you've been able yeah. to um, create a different new chapter for yourself. I mean, completely different. And in fact, I had to um, really figure out like where the rubber meets the road. Like it was, there were things that my ex-husband did, but I contributed in the relationship and I was going to be in a similar dynamic if I didn't figure out what my role was in it. And so I took it really seriously to turn the mirror on myself and look internal and figure out again, lovingly and compassionately what was going on for me and my relationships, what was impacting me from my childhood, what was being, um, reenacted for me and how could I really be the best partner? And I'm still learning. And we're, and the thing is I wanted a partner in my list of what I wanted was a partner where we could learn together, that we would continue to want to learn and evolve um, so that our relationship could be stronger and more connected. I love that notion of learning together. That's such a beautiful, a beautiful notion. And um, 
It sounds like you've been able to do that yourself. Is it because of your mm-hmm. training? Is it, you know, so somebody who's listening who's thinking, I want to go through that process that she did. I want to emerge on the other side uh, the mm-hmm. way Dr. Cohen did. Do you recommend, you know, your book obviously lays out a lot of this wonderful information. Do you recommend that somebody work with a therapist? If somebody wants the tools, how can they acquire them for their own life? Yeah, I mean, that's why I wrote the book. So when I got divorced, I Googled um divorce recovery, divorce healing, and there was nothing. That was again about 15, 14 years ago. And um I realized at that moment that I felt that that was sending the me-, me the message that I wasn't going to heal. Um and I just pieced together from my training um different evidence supported treatments and did them one foot one foot in front of the other, like one foot forward, two steps back. Um and that's why I wrote the book. I didn't want anyone to have to put, spend that much time and effort. And because of the privilege of my education, I was able to do that. So I wanted people to have it in a, a, a comprehensive um, plan of how to heal. Um, essentially, my book is like going to therapy for 12 to 14 weeks. Um, if you really, there's journal prompts, you can really invest in it. Um, I'm obviously a huge proponent of therapy, but I also understand the cost of it, um, which is why I wrote the book. I wanted someone who, I remember I used to go to this story hour. I live in New York city when my kids were little and I got separate when I, I kicked my husband out, my kids were two years and six months old. So they were really little. And I'd kind of schlepped to the library and um, if I could have seen out of the corner of my eye a book that said light at the other side of divorce, I would have, I really would have really felt hopeful. So um, I really recommend people pick up the book um, and really just get started on um, following the tips on how to look inward. It's hard, but people who are going through a divorce have done the hardest, bravest thing. I know they can do this too. Absolutely. Because no one gets to midlife, um, which is where my audience is, without navigating hard things. We, we've, you know, perhaps dealt with our own family's pain. There's been illness. There's been, you know, death. And we have this midlife, we have this resilience that we get to in midlife. And it's it's that kind of, you know, resilience is a muscle. The more we yep. use it, the better we get at it. And um, divorce, even though it's painful, is, is something that, that you know, you as you spell out, that it, it presents the opportunity to, to maybe enter that new chapter with um, just a different dimension. We are yeah. we are almost out of time. We're going to close with a speed round, which we always do. And I know you, you agreed to do that with me. But before we move into the speed round, I want to ask you about the, um, you share five affirmations to heal the pain of your divorce on your on your website, it's downloadable. I'm going to put it in the show notes and encourage everyone to go there. But if there's one particular affirmation that speaks um, strongly to you that you you want to leave our audience with, I would love to hear it. Yeah, I think my favorite is my marriage came to its perfect completion. I am ready to release it. That is such a beautiful way of looking at it. Thank you for sharing that with us. I will make sure the other four get put into the show notes and people can head to Dr. Elizabeth Cohn's website. I'll have her share that at the end. Let's do our speed round. Great. Okay. Writing light on the other side of divorce, discovering the new you was. Can I do more than one word? Yes. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) It was empowering. And at times, excruciating and brought me to my knees. Sounds a lot like life. I love it. (laughs) The one thing every woman going through a divorce needs. To know how incredibly brave they are. A surprising benefit to being divorced. Mm, 
amazing sex. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> I love it. I, um, I'm i just going to throw this in. I had Laura Friedman Williams come on the show. She wrote the mm. memoir Available, a memoir mm-hmm. of sex and dating after a marriage ends, and she chronicles exactly that. That sounds mm-hmm. like a fabulous benefit. Mm-hmm. Okay. Be- beyond your own book and podcast, a book or podcast that you would direct listeners to who want to uh, explore more divorce resources? Mm. My dear friend, Susan Guthrie's Divorce or, uh, Divorce and Beyond podcast. Fabulous. It is amazing. And I always recommend for those of you who've been in relationships like mine, uh, Melody Beattie's Codependent No More about releasing ourselves from codependency. Okay. A go-to resource for tactical divorce information. Mm. Can you hold on a second? Yeah. I have to get it. Hold on. I got to get the name of it. Hold on. Okay. I really like, I really like the book, The Mom's Guide to a Good Divorce by Sarah Armstrong. Okay. Fantastic. Going in the show notes as well. The best lifestyle hack for inner peace during a divorce. Breathing, feeling your feet on the ground. My favorite self-care practice is. Yoga. And finally, your one-word answer to complete this sentence, as I age, I feel empowered. This is terrific. Thank you so much. So (laughs) many, so many great um, tips, so much uh, wonderful resources that will be found in the show notes. Before we say goodbye, how can our listeners find you, your work, your book, and more about your divorce coaching services? Thanks for asking. Um, you can find all of my work on my website, drelizabethcohen.com, and that's drelizabethcohen.com. You can purchase my book on Amazon or at Barnes & Noble or on Bookshop, which is a conglomerate of independent bookstores. So if you can get it there, that's great. And all the information about how to coach with me and listen to my podcast and um, learn from me, and there's a lot of freebies, as you mentioned, um, can all be found on my website. Thank you so much, Dr. Cohen. This wraps A Certain Age, a show for women who are aging without apology. Join me next Monday when startup founder and food activist Raina Kumra dishes on her plant-based pantry essentials company Spicewell, which turned your pantry into a wellness medicine cabinet. Thank you to everyone who took time to rate and review A Certain Age over on Apple Podcasts last month. I see and appreciate you. If this is still on your to-do list, make today the day. Simply find A Certain Age on your podcast app, scroll down to the bottom, and tap on the stars to rate or leave a written review. Because both matter. Reviews and ratings help other women find the show. Special thanks to Michael Mancini, who composed and produced our theme music. See you next time. And until then, age boldly, beauties.